0: Hello and welcome to Chip and Dale, the Rescue Rangers podcast, where we only talk about <laughs> Chip and Dale and the Rescue Rangers. It, I can't remember, was was the big mouse there too? The big cheese-loving uh, mouse? Yes, oh, you're talking yes, about yes. Monterey Jack? A, yeah, Monterey Jack, poor thank you.
1: character in the new movie.
0: Good, good, yes. I, for people who don't listen to the free shows, you just think I'm having some <laughs> kind of seizure. But no, we, we were talking about stuff, and, and this is me continuing into the actual podcast, even though you have no context for it. Now we will actually do our jobs and talk about video games and such, um, including the ones Blizzard makes. By the way, yeah, Blizzard, Blizzard and its many games, and also games from other companies. Uh, I'm Matt. Uh, with me are Joe and Liz, who who often join me on these trips. Have you guys been watching Strange and Worlds? No. Seriously, I watch stra- watch Strange and Worlds. It's really I good.
1: R- I really want to. I really want to, but I haven't gotten around to it.
0: I mean, I'm, i I say this as a guy who kind of. I, I don't hate the more recent Star Treks, and I kind of think Lower Decks is funny, but I haven't really been watching them. But, oh my God, Stranger Worlds. Every episode, okay. I've been like, oh. Anyway, let's instead talk about video games. Um, We actually have quite a few stories. Uh, I want to go to Liz first, though, because you're in the beta for Warcraft, uh, Arclight, and I can never remember the next one. Arclight, Arclight Rumble. Rumble. thank you.
2: War. I want to call it Arclight Revenge. An acronym, War. I don't
0: know why. <laughs> yeah. So you're in you're in the beta for that, correct, or the the, the, the Uh, alpha or whatever?
1: uh, I think they're calling it a beta. It's a closed beta, and uh, so I don't know that anyone can expect invites to show up soon because it's a closed beta right now. Um, It really looks pretty polished. I mean, what I haven't had a ton of time to play. What strikes me about it is that it it feels like a really conventional game, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel like something that's taken risks. It's a game it follows kind of some traditional formulas. You know, you put your pieces on a battlefield, you can only play so many pieces at once, and you can play pieces that have different advantages and disadvantages against other pieces. And as you kind of progress through, it introduces new concepts about how different pieces work. So I don't think I've gotten through all of the introductory stuff at this point, but it it does feel very, um, it, it feels like a very conventional game. It's definitely a very mobile game. You can tell this is a really mobile first game because it just it's designed for a touch screen. It's designed to work really well on portrait mode on your phone. It has it just has it's laid out to be what it is. And it's not like clunked over from something else. It's not like Hearthstone, which is has always been available on mobile, but sometimes mobile displays do like weird things that don't seem right because they're kind of going PC, mobile. It's on all these platforms. Uh, so far, I really like it. It's a really beautiful game. It feels really polished. It is fun. It's kind of just a little combat game that you don't have to put too much brain power into, but you can't. You also can't like tune out. Like I know sometimes when I play Hearthstone Mercenaries, which has some similarities to this, and like put playing your your different minions, and you know, a fighter goes against a, a you know. You kind of match the different ones that have advantages against each other. Uh, but I I will play mercenaries so I can tune out so I have a little something to do, but it's okay if I don't pay attention to it. Uh, I can't play Arc Light Rumble like that. You have to pay attention because it's it's not super fast. It's not like a twitch game, but you you can't turn away. you have to keep watching it. So I think it's a good game so far, but uh, I haven't played a lot of it and yeah, it feels very conventional, which I don't know if I should be surprised by that or not, by how kind of it feels like this is a really kind of conventional gameplay experience on mobile.
0: So you think that might be because that's just how it's designed or because it's you're still in early and early in it and you haven't gotten to see all the anything that was Yeah, in the that could
1: yet. be it. I mean, Blizzard does like to do the easy to learn, difficult to master thing where you're kind of learning things as you go. And of course, Blizzard also likes to do like, Taking kind of existing game genres and ideas that are out there and putting them together in like a polished way that other people have not done quite as well. So yeah, I think I'm not sure what I was expecting out of the game really, um, but so far I've enjoyed it. So there's that.
0: All right, cool.
2: Um, I, I'm hoping else? that I, I'm hoping that I can get in and play because like it looks like it's ticking all the boxes of something that I would want from a mobile game, which is really rare. So.
0: Alright, cool. Uh, in fact, that allows me to jump to the something further down that I wanted to talk about, though. Um, last week, I think I think it was Wednesday, it might have been Thursday, we got the first reveal of the game Marvel Snap, coming out from Second Dinner. Uh, if you guys don't know, Second Dinner is a company started by Ben Brode and other former Blizzard alumni who went mm-hmm. off to start their own company. And Marvel Snap is their first, like, the first game that they've gotten to the point of actually showing it to people. And it's interesting because when I first saw the, the the trailer for it, I like I think I actually snorted and I tweeted something snarky like, "Oh yay Hearthstone but Marvel," and then I went and actually watched the full reveal announcement, and it is nothing like Hearthstone. Like it's bare, like it's only a card game because they have little images of cards. Like I, it is very. It reminds me of the old Marvel Saga role playing game. Yeah. In terms of how it plays, I was wondering if you were going to say yeah to that, Joe. Uh, so since you're you know since we made Liz take point on the last thing I'll now make you take point have you watched the trailer did you look at any of this stuff
2: yeah um so it it actually reminds me a lot of the there's a a Marvel Champions is a game that is currently out on the market and it is a card-based game that doesn't really necessarily play like a card-based game it plays like a hybrid type game and this seems like this is very similar to that um Honestly, the two things that stuck out to me from watching the, the reveal is, one, the art style is very, very, I don't want to say different because it's not that different, but it runs the gamut of, like, ultra-realistic and hardcore to super cartoony all in the same thing. Like, I'm looking at the picture of Galactus right now, and it's like, it's a little tiny baby Galactus with a giant head. And it's super, you know, like, stuff like that. And then you look at, you know, honestly, Amer- America Chavez.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the cartoon uh, Rugrats?
2: Yes. It's what I it reminds the, me of, well, too. Yeah. That's what yeah. that,
0: you reminded that kid, but Galactus.
2: Yes.
1: I mean, that was, having different art styles was part of the point, though. Like, you can yeah. collect different things. Oh, no. There's
0: nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's really it. cool. I
2: oh, do.
1: That kind of scratches this itch. Like, when I was younger, I used to collect, like, marble trading cards. I don't know if there was a game associated with it. I don't remember. But it was, you know, Cards with like Marvel art and intra and facts about different characters on the back, and maybe it was a game. I don't know. I just had like all the game. of these cards. I, and I, I
2: I I still have a full set of them like, sitting on my shelf.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a game. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, so I mean, this really felt like it ticked that particular box, like mm. this card collection where I was collecting just for the art because that that was the first thing I thought about was these. Cards I used to collect.
2: The other thing that really stuck out to me, too, is that there's an inherent gambling system built into it and not like opening packs like you would expect. And like maybe hopefully you'll get something looking at you loot boxes and also (laughs) TCGs that exist in the real world. Uh, Instead, you're gambling away cosmic cubes. Which, if anybody's been a fan of Marvel for any length of time, understands that cosmic cubes are sort of like this big, powerful artifact thing. Well, now there's just a ton of them, and that, that is sort of your basis for ranking. Uh, but you can sort of ante up and change the stakes of a game. So it could be, instead of the winner gets one cube from the loser of the match, that could be eight, or that could be more. Um, it's, it's interesting in that regard. Also, it's fast-paced, So, like Mm -hmm. most card games go by turns. Even when you like, even if you play Magic the Gathering or or any traditional game, it's still my turn, then pass the turn to the opponent. And while there's interactions in between, it's still that person's turn. They still hold priority. Here, it seems like they're going for uh, a really fast paced, simultaneous gameplay where it's going to be interesting because it's almost like chaos and real time strategy added into a card game ish like yeah I,
0: you know what it looked like to me go ahead i, I remember just watching it i was thinking you're never going to get to be reacting to what he just did because he's reacting to what you just did at the exact same time yeah and so you both have to think about what that guy might yep. do instead of just what he just did you have to actually and there's six rounds total yes that's it you're done in six, six, and, six, ter- and,
2: six turns per game yep
0: yeah, six turns per game and there's three like lands on the, the deck when, you, when you're playing the regions yeah so the, they're three like three almost regions, like regions yeah almost like and you have to control two of them two of three in order to win and it's just like all a lot a lot is happening in or in a turn because there's only six of them mm-hmm. you know and, and since you're both doing whatever you're doing during that turn you don't find out what actually it, happened in the turn until there are turns all over
2: so this is one of the, the the best thing that I can compare this to for anybody who's ever played a tabletop game in the like the last 15 years Star Wars X-Wing came out and Star Wars X-Wing was a game of planning your moves and, and then releasing them. So like instead of reacting initially to what your opponent was doing, you both planned everything out, put your things face down and then revealed them. And those actions just kind of took place. That's kind of what this is a little bit where you're planning and trying to have contingencies. I, I'm honestly like I thought it was just going to be another Hearthstone clone when I, when I heard about it. I'm glad it's not, and I'm actually interested in this. So, congratulations, 2022! You made it so that there are two mobile games that I am very interested in—a feat I never thought would occur. So yeah, but yeah. since we talked about card sorry, Liz, games, Liz I'm was going to say something. Oh, Liz, go ahead.
1: I mean, I think because it's you have so many ex Hearthstone developers on this team that they didn't just want to remake Hearthstone; they want yeah. to do new and exciting things and evolve. So I don't think I'm as surprised as y'all that this is not a Hearthstone clone. And I think that our cynicism—I
0: think in this case Joe and I got gotten cynicism overload about uh, yeah, this game. Yeah, I can
1: understand that. Yeah. I can just, understand that.
0: And you know, just because the year has been the way it has the past several yeah. years.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but we're um, gonna get this cool Marvel game, so we can yay. I am looking forward to seeing what it looks like in a year because I wanna, mm-hmm. you, one of the things that happens with every game is that new modes get invented, new strategies come up. I want to see what they do, what cards they release. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be really interesting. Um, but speaking of the problems of gambling <laughs> in card games, because Joe mentioned it, uh, did y'all hear about the kid who told, took his dad's credit cards and bought $300 worth of Hearthstone cards?
2: Yep, that was all the topic that I could hear about at work. Yeah,
0: and now Blizzard's getting sued, yeah. because... Hearthstone decks don't necessarily give you anything good when you spend money on them. Well, it's Which not, I think is interesting that that's part of the reason they're being sued.
2: Well, it's... when
0: They should be being sued for letting a kid use their system, and they are. I'm sure that's what Joe's going to say. So
2: It's legalized gambling, but the problem that's going to happen is there's going to be... The lawsuit's going to get one thrown throw, and I'll get into that in a whole second. Um, but it does highlight one of the shortcomings of Hearthstone and every collectible card game that exists on the market and ones that have existed forever. Thank you, uh, you know, uh, Richard Garfield in 1994. Um, when you open a pack of cards, you never know what you're going to get. You have a rough idea, like there'll be X of certain type or X of certain type or certain rarity, but if you're looking for a chase card, you're, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get it. And I don't know if Hearthstone still does this, and I'm going to defer to Liz here in a moment, can you still make cards with dust? Is that still a thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can make any card you want with dust, but rarer cards cost more dust. Right. So you open a card pack, and if you get a bunch of cards you already have, you can convert them to dust, and then you can craft new cards. Though so it's not like a one-to-one on that.
2: And the dust you get from lower-end cards is lower, Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, like, there's some mitigation, but at the end of the day, you're still spending money or gold on packs of cards, and it's the same thing with, like, Magic the Gathering Arena, or Magic the Gathering in real life, or Yu-Gi-Oh!, or Pokemon, or any other card game.
1: One thing Hearthstone has added, and Joe, you can tell me if uh, Magic the Gathering Arena does something like this, is that Hearthstone has a sort of duplicate protection. So, when you grab a deck, you know, it's like generated what kind of what quality the cards will be. And you get a certain number of cards of each quality. Like you're uh, you're guaranteed to get at least one uncommon card in each deck and it can proc like more uncommon cards or even more rarer cards. But like if you are not going to get a duplicate until you get every card of this rarity.
2: Yeah. So So this is the only game that does that by the way. (laughs) Okay. Okay.
1: So it's, so it's like if, you know, it used to be that you could open a deck and you get a legendary card and that's super exciting. Oh my God, I got a legendary card. And then it's a legendary card you already have. Yep. And that goes from high excitement to like super bottom of the barrel disappointment that no longer happens in Hearthstone until you have every legendary available. You will not get a duplicate legendary. So I think that has helped a lot. And it has made packs feel more rewarding than they used to, but it is, it's, it's a, you never know what a pack's going to have in it.
2: Yeah. And to the extent of the lawsuit that's happening with this, this is not the first time this has happened. In fact, it's nope. not the, it's not unique to the current day. I believe uh, 2k is also getting sued right now for the same thing. The problem is, is loot boxes and digital goods are not transparent. In the trading card space in real life, and this is something I've had to learn a lot about recently, folks, as a uh, now level two shopkeep, um, they have to disclose pull rates. They can't not have them. And this is because years ago, kids would do the same thing that you're hearing them do with digital goods, with physical goods. They would take mommy or daddy's credit card, go down to the local shop or order online on Amazon or eBay or whatever order a bunch of packs of cards and then do that. But that the only end result is that it wound up being, they have to disclose uh, what your pull rates are for those rarities for those big ones. Like um, if you play match of the gathering, the big hot one is like foil etched embossed obnix, the the uh, adversary it was like a $300 card. They have to tell you what the percentage is that you can possibly get it and exactly which types of packs you can get it from. They, there's no obfuscation. Not so much with digital. There's nothing there. So loot boxes in Overwatch, loot boxes in Hearthstone, loot boxes in literally every game that exists on the market because every game right now has them because they want to make sure that your you or your kids are gambling on stuff. And let's be clear, it is gambling. Um, what's going to wind up happening is Blizzard won't be held accountable more so than having to disclose pull rates. That's going to wind up probably being everything that it is. Let's be honest. I
1: mean, i I think we know the rarities of the pull rates in Hearthstone decks, though. I but don't do you know, know how well Blizzard advertises it. That's but,
2: it. Yeah, but I mean, like, okay. Yeah. So what's the what's the hot new Hearthstone card right now? Like, what is the hottest Hearthstone card that people would want? I don't play?
1: know. I don't know. Let's just I say mean, let's
2: pretty- let's just say it's chromie or something like that. Let's say it was, okay. but, Like if this was Magic, they have to tell you there is a two percent chance that you can get it hmm. from this very subset of packs. They, okay, I, so to my understanding is they don't do that in Hearthstone. They tell you what the percentage is of that rarity being in there, yes, not of that correct. specific card. And I think that's where the shift is going to wind up happening. And again,
0: okay.
2: it's still gambling, but because this is a whole other topic, but because things are the way they are and you know it is how it's going to be, that's the worst that's going to happen to them is that they're going to have to slap exactly what pull rates are or what the percentage is. You'll see more how the sausage is made than, than before.
1: Yeah, I don't think this lawsuit is anything special. We've seen no. lots of lawsuits like this in the past, and mm-hmm. they're—I think they've all been settled out of court.
2: Every single one. Because
1: I don't think any game company wants this to go to court and face the risk that their loot box system is going to get disrupted. Because if one—if one company does it, then it's a problem for everybody.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I also don't think, like, I don't—I uh, don't think it's a huge deal i mean maybe i'm wrong here i don't enjoy loot box mechanics but as long as you're informed of the loot box and you know what's going on like i feel yes we could be better informed but
0: i think that stuff like star wars battlefront 2 really kind of changed the way loot boxes work too. the most egregious examples basically that game made companies back up on just how nuts they were getting on loot box type itemization and so forth in games
2: i don't know if that's true Um, though
0: Mm. I, I'm just going by the fact that you know you don't see a lot of games anymore where they th- like they make the characters part of a loot box.
2: Well, you know, mm-hmm.
0: like skins, sure, but in in Battlefront, like you actually couldn't even get Darth Vader, yeah, unless you got him in a loot box, and it's like you know to use him in the game. Where so I I think that they went uh, they they found the line by which the the gaming industry would not surpass, and it's kind of pulled back since then. But it's certainly still. It's and, still pretty much gambling, absolutely. I and
2: agree. we and we can talk about other things that I think are a little bit, I don't want to say sketchy, but also that are non-transparent, like Overwatch loot boxes had to be adjusted in other countries, Belgium, uh, Belgium China, uh, I want to say Japan, and I think there was another one where... Uh, like trade commissions and, and groups actually force them to change how loot boxes are obtained and also how loot boxes operate. Something that I talked about a while ago that like, I, I don't have any proof of this. It's all anecdotal, but I always wondered like if loot boxes adjusted during holidays to specifically not favor uh holiday skins in order to try to make people buy more because And it's completely anecdotal. And this is like an Overwatch thing, which I've recently reinstalled Overwatch uh, after a two year hiatus Um, close to two years, like a holiday event would come up and I'd get the holiday loot boxes, but I would never get holiday skins. I would always invariably get other skins. And it always seemed weird that the holiday boxes would be more geared towards the other things. And again, purely anecdotal, but I would, but because I have no way of knowing what drop rates are, what percentages are. There's no transparency in it. I have no way of knowing. So, you know, I, I I, think at the very least, if there's going to be legalized gambling in video games, there needs to be an extra layer of transparency across the board.
0: Also, though, kids, don't steal your parents' no. uh, credit cards to buy $300 worth of Hearthstone cards. No. I do Another feel like thing. I need to throw that in there. Go, go on,
1: <laughs> Another thing Hearthstone does is there's kind of, uh, I guess you would say, a pity timer. In which every card you, every pack you open where you don't get like a legendary, like the next pack has a little further chance. So it's not just like you have a 2% chance of getting a legendary or a 20% chance of getting a legendary. It's like each pack you open without a legendary, you're more likely to get a legendary. Like there's a set number of packs. If you open this many packs, you will get a legendary guaranteed. So.
2: Yeah. And see, like the way that, like, uh, in in meat space tcgs do it mm-hmm. is like i'll use i'll use um uh magic the gathering as an example if you open a pack you know you're guaranteed to get out of 15 cards eight of them are going to be commons uh six of them are going to be uncommons and then the rest have all they're at least guaranteed one rare or higher right and then there's a couple other spots in there as well but there's, it's always that same breakdown and you're always guaranteed one rare or higher um yeah. So like they're they try to do that in real life, which you know, digital, obviously they can do that. But right. my question is why not why not just give somebody that same legendary chance like, you know, is there is it because the packs are so small? I don't know, we could we could spend a whole long time talking about this. I have a lot of yeah. thoughts and opinions on it.
1: I think one thing the lawsuit brings up, which is actually a really good idea is having parental protections inside hearthstone that could prevent purchases. I believe that mobile stores are going to have this. If you're buying it on an iPhone or something, it's going to have you have the option of setting it up through your mobile device, whatever mm-hmm. kind of parental protection you want. Um, like just, just something. So a kid cannot immediately go and spend $300 worth of money on Hearthstone packs. Uh, and that would be a really smart thing for Blizzard to
2: add. I, I am legitimately I'm, not aware sur- that- I'm legitimately surprised that wasn't in place.
1: I'm not aware that there's a parental control system in Hearthstone. But of course, the other side of this problem is that parents may not know there's a parental control system, mm-hmm. may not know to activate it. You know, parents, when kids are playing games, parents aren't necessarily experts on the games. And that's a really, that's a really difficult problem because games have different kinds of content. They have different sorts of purchases available and you can't be a subject matter expert in every game your child might be interested in so it's a tough problem even if blizzard implemented parental controls but in the end if a if a kid buys a bunch of hearthstone packs and their parents get stuck with the credit card bill who's who has responsibility for that is it You know, it's just that's a hard one. I don't know how you completely fix
0: this problem. Speaking of not being able to completely fix problems, (laughs) no, um, this actually isn't a problem. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, We ran an article this week from from, uh, Phil, Phil Xavier, um, talking about Hearthstone and talking about the interim game director, who's August Dean Ayala, who made a tweet talking about things he wants to work on for Hearthstone. And since he's the interim, I don't know why he's just the interim director at this point, quite frankly, but he is. Um, Go ahead and make him the director, guys. Anyway, uh, he talks about Hearthstone stuff he wants to work on. One of them was like a social type of Hearthstone, where like 2v2, 1v1v1v1, duo BGs, 4x4 BGs, guilds, and guild versus guild play. Um, I don't play a lot of Hearthstone. <laughs> so, I do not feel like an expert or in any way really qualified to talk about that, but I wanted to break this thing he tweeted down into stuff like, for instance, this social idea. What do you guys think about Hearthstone guilds, Hearthstones guild versus guild competition, and Hearthstone with, like, say, 2v2 or, I... you know, four people going one versus one versus one versus one?
1: Yeah, I like... mean, I think it's really interesting, but these are also big new game modes that are going to take a lot of development and be, you know, these aren't something we're going to get tomorrow. One thing that I think is maybe one of the most fun things Hearthstone does, sometimes they'll have tavern brawls, which are kind of weekly one-offs that do, you know, different things. Sometimes you'll have a tavern brawl where it isn't, you're trying to kill the other player, but you're cooperating with the other player to get to a certain goal. And I think those are almost always interesting and fun, though the downside is always that you may wind up with an opponent who doesn't understand it's a cooperative game because Hearthstone usually isn't a cooperative game, and so they just try to kill you and then you both lose because you aren't cooperating and there's no way to talk to each other. Um, but it feels like Hearthstone has space for a lot of different kinds of game modes and different ways of playing like the standard traditional game modes as well that it would be really fun to explore.
2: Joe? I generally don't have an opinion on this. I, I, I'm I'm of the mindset that of uh, more options are more good, so or as my friends say, more gooder. Uh, so, yeah, more options. Give people more ways to play. Never a bad thing.
0: Okay, the next thing he talks about is formats. Um, actually, he's also talks, I'm gonna talk about formats and self-expression at the same time because they're both kind of, I don't feel like there's this much to talk about here. Uh, current year format, rotating sets format, multi-deck, uh, BO3, BO5, etc. And self-expression, avatar creation. Currently, Hearthstone does not have an avatar at all. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, you just you play as a specific your deck is essentially your avatar because you'll have like if you're playing mage, you'll have Jaina Proudmore up there or what have you. Um, Then there will be a profile uh, out of game space customization. I don't even know what that is, Uh, but it sounds interesting. It sounds like a lot. There's a lot of stuff here that would make Hearthstone different from other card games, if that makes sense, Uh, especially the avatar creation thing. I mean, that's what happens after that. Are are we going to start like. Are they going to put, like, World of Warcraft-style action RPG elements? Well, that would actually be Diablo, but into Hearthstone? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what they, what they we're talking about here.
1: Well, I mean, oh. I wonder if, you know, thematically, Hearthstone is a game that's set. You're playing in this tavern. You go into the tavern, and you pull out your box of Hearthstone cards. And when you when you actually load up the game, you see a box that is, I imagine, is supposed to be, like, a box of cards opening up, and then you have a menu choose the kind of game mode you want to play but since it has that theme i'm like okay so are we thinking about like building out a tavern space like a virtual tavern space where you're in and you can customize and i get a customize customization is always fun like in world of warcraft which is really just a big game of dress up where sometimes we might feel like killing dragons but uh
0: i they have all the question. clothes <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, these jerks tubbies, have, they, they have, have huge wardrobes.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting. I should point out or clarify that this is not things that Hearthstone is definitely going to do. It's features that he's interested in.
0: Yeah, it's building to do,
1: out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we we may never see any of this, or we may see all of it. Who knows? It's an exciting
0: mystery. What gets me is that we already have like at least two game modes in Hearthstone that are not really card game anymore. Uh Battlegrounds and Mercenaries both feel like separate games almost. Like they're yeah, significantly they different from from regular Hearthstone. If they built up this out of game space thing that if they went with your tavern idea or something else, you could theoretically have it be the means by which you get to the various different games that, that exist as tavern games in Warcraft in the Warcraft setting, you go to a tavern, apparently you can do all this stuff there. Their taverns rock compared to our bars. I can't do any of this at a bar, except maybe I could play Hearthstone, but I, if I brought my phone. <laughs> I'm not going to find it, like, a bunch of people playing it, which, you know, good, because I don't want to see people. I, I'm not good at socializing. But still, it's an interesting thing to think about if they, if, they really, if they're grasping the concept that they've basically made a card game that is almost not really a card game anymore. And, and it sort of turned into, like, a big thing. That's, so, I don't
2: know. I mean, that's not, not necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing, though, right? Like,
0: I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I just say it's interesting, though. Because it, it reminds me of, like, in the 90s, we had games like You Don't Know Jack. Like, remember mm-hmm, that game? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that were kind of, like... It was a sort of like a game you you and your friends would play, but it didn't have it wasn't really a specific game. It was a ton of different mini games that we just throw well, that, at you.
2: And that's that's now the same thing now with um, Jackbox games, right? Like it's the same the same thing. Um But
0: in a weird way, Hearthstone is kinda like that, but with a World of Warcraft like a Warcraft setting theme to it, kinda. Mm,
2: yeah, I could see that.
1: I would I would still say that the majority of it is card-focused in some way or another, but at the same time, Battlegrounds, I think it's the most popular mode right now. And yes, there are cards in Battlegrounds, but you aren't deck-building or anything like that. Not really.
0: Yeah, it's interesting just to, to think about the idea of that in 10 years, Hearthstone may not even refer to a specific game, but to rather a genre of games or something. I, I just, it is something that I find interesting to look at. Um and since we were talking about Hearthstone anyway, it felt like a good thing to mention. What, what would you, either of you, like each of you, like one thing you'd like to see Hearthstone get? And I'll actually start this because I, I do have an idea for something I would like to see Hearthstone get. I would like to see Hearthstone take a page from what they did when they first brought missionaries in and they put Diablo in it. I would like to see them just straight up do a StarCraft expansion. <laughs> like just straight up do it. A StarCraft card, StarCraft theme, the whole bit. Do that with Diablo. Do that with like... Do it with rock and roll racing, man. I don't care. The Lost Vikings. Uh, you know, I can't think of any other games that they've done, like right off the top of my head. But you know, Overwatch, sure, why not? Just just go for go nuts. Have like them in Battlegrounds. Have them in Mercenaries. Have them in, in in the card game, and have the card. You know, and don't even worry about it. People in war. People in the Warcraft setting are really good fantasy lives, and they can they can imagine flying robots just fine. Don't even worry about it. But that's the one I would do, uh, Joe.
2: I mean, I'm always about expanding it, like do whatever you want with it. I I Also, like this is something other games are doing, right? This is something other card games are doing. Um, I hate to bring this up, but like and and keep saying it because I'm sure people are tired of me talking about it. But like, again, Magic the Gathering, there's a 40K set coming out for it. A Warhammer 40K set literally this year. They're doing Baldur's Gate this year. They're doing uh, Lord of the Rings next year. There's they're expanding crossovers and IPs because they can. There's no reason Hearthstone can't, especially with the extensive universe that Blizzard has, and it is an extensive universe. So, yeah, Liz,
1: uh, I think I would work on the tavern brawl format because tavern brawl is this rotating weekly random fun thing, except it's kind of gotten stuck in a rut where they're doing like the same brawls over and over again, and it's just gotten really stale. And I mentioned earlier that some of the things I really enjoy are like cooperative brawls or brawls that have you do things that aren't just playing a standard game of Hearthstone that provide interesting challenges or puzzles And I think Tavern Brawls is kind of the perfect way to explore or even test out new and different game modes. But it feels like it isn't doing that very much lately. It's just kind of you get the same brawls again and again, maybe with a little tweak. Maybe it's only uses standard cards this time. Maybe it uses wild cards this time. And it's gotten it's gotten really it's gotten pretty dull, I think. And I think this is a really fun game mode that you could spice up, that you could use as a test ground for things. This could essentially be your PTR where you make something weird and fun and you throw it out there and see what people think. Um, So, yeah, I think I would really ramp up development on tavern brawls and having unique, interesting things there and see, see which ideas take root, which ideas the community really
0: likes. All right. Cool. I think that actually I would like to see our ideas get used as well because I think we have some good ones here. Um totally let's not talk biased. a bit let's let's talk about patch nine point two point five though, because uh, we got two interesting things this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one I'm gonna mention is that we now have a release candidate. And because instead of Joe writing the post, I wrote the post, I mangled describing what a release candidate means, but <laughs> Joe's here, so why don't you tell them what a release candidate is?
2: A release candidate is basically a version of software, or uh, in this case, a PTR that is ready for potential release to live structure, which means that they've taken most of the large bugs out of it, and they are looking to make sure that there are no minor bugs uh, inconveniences or in like hiccups or weird interactions before actually pushing it out. But it also means that the bulk of the work is done. Um, That is the short version.
0: And so basically that's the case. Um, That's where we are right now. It's on the PTR. It's being tested. If things go super smoothly, we could theoretically have an announcement this week that we're getting it next week. However, it's Tuesday as we record this. If they don't make an announcement by, say, Thursday, I wouldn't expect one. Uh, and I think it's more likely that we'll get it in two weeks.
2: Probably, if yeah. if yeah,
0: because that'll be that'll be in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, it won't be the last day of May. Um, I think that they'd be more likely to want to do it like the first week of June than the last week of May. But again, this is all dependent on on if the thing suddenly shows up, oh, well, we didn't know that this was going to cause a problem, but oh my God, it makes the entire game crash, that sort of thing. Um, you never know when that can happen. So in lieu of that, we are looking at what they consider to be the, the I don't want to say final form, but the final, like they're not coding for it anymore. They may go in and change the code, but they're not writing new code anymore. Does that, that seem
2: accurate? Well, I mean, that, not exactly. They will write. They will potentially write new code, but it's again the major features are all implemented. They believe that they are in a stable place. Uh, they believe that they've caught all the bugs or had all the bugs reported. So, like saying that there's no new code, that not necessarily okay, true. No. Okay, there gotcha. are no major implementations waiting.
0: There's no features that they're gonna surprise us with in like a day or two. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's the first thing we we wanted to mention. Uh, Second up, however, is that we also know what the Mythic Plus affix is going to be for for Season 4 in patch 9.2.5, and it's the Shrouded Affix, which means random hidden dreadlords just showing up in the middle of fights. Hope you like dreadlords, because we put some more dreadlords in so you can (laughs) scream while you're getting killed by dreadlords. That's
2: our favorite trash in the entirety of the the, the sepulchre of the first ones, right, Liz?
0: Uh, nope. (laughs)
2: Gonna have to say no to you there, pal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's 10-4. Ten, ten big negative. Huh? <laughs> not my favorite. Over and out. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know what to think about this one, but Liz?
1: They're they're interesting when you run into them in Sepulter of the first ones. Because they just, you know, they're not there. And then surprise, it's a dreadlord. Which is, that's, that's just what dreadlords do. So we should stop being surprised when the thing in front of us turns out to be a dreadlord, because that's just that's dreadlords
0: for you. It's like playing Prey all over again. (laughs) Did you play Prey? I did, heavily. Uh, Yes, yes. (laughs) I I got so afraid of every object. Like, I'm just wandering around smashing things with that wrench just because it's probably a mimic. Come on.
2: Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put my... I was going to literally say I'm going to go ahead and just close my notebook with the mimic dungeon for now.
0: (laughs) I think Liz already I mean, got you beat on that one though for the time she sent us into the dimension and like had mimics everywhere except then we got so paranoid that we began attacking random furniture that wasn't a mimic.
2: Oh, oh no. I, yeah. I've taken it to even worse levels, but we'll talk about that later. We're going to have a tavern watch coming up. It'll be it'll be we can talk there about that. There.
1: there was only one mimic in there. Yeah, but no then there was an animated deal. bookshelf. Yeah, so there was a mimic and some sentient furniture and some flying swords, but there was only one mimic, okay? totally fine not not a ridiculous number of mimics at all
0: but i think that's that's the feeling i'm getting (laughs) from this affix it's like seriously like every time you walk around a corner hello if you could save us from this trap kill it it's a dreadlord (laughs) but yeah that's that's happening in 9.2.5 as well uh you guys heal so i'm going to get your thoughts you you basically you're saying that you don't think that the secret dreadlords is going to make mythic plus fun
1: I mean, I'm not saying it's not fun. I just think you know it's frustrating. They're frustrating when you run into them, but it's it's also I mean, I think it'll spice things up because you never know when they're going to appear. You're always going to have to be on your toes and be careful. So, yeah, I mean, I think but, this could be really interesting,
2: but not really because, like you don't have to be that careful about it, right? So, yeah. like if you actually go through the the thing, there are a couple really cool bits about this. I think that are really nice. One is that there's a bounty hunter NPC at the beginning of the dungeons uh, that is literally like making a bounty for dread lords, which I think is really, really cool. And you get to choose um, whether it's crit, haste, versatility or mastery that you get paid back with when you take a dread down, which is really, really neat. But as you're going through the dungeon, uh, mobs will have an aura around them and have an actual buff called Disguised. So you know which ones are the Dreadlords. You can actually plan around it. Um, hmm. So you will actually be able to say, okay, we know there's a Dreadlord in this one. Let's What do we need? Uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's actually really cool because one of the things that I think was really annoying during Mythic Plus Dungeons, at least this season, was that some of the FXs... Uh, like the the one that caused the uh the, the things to leap out of you that had to be killed. Um I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me because my mind is blanking. But it's like stuff like that could be hard to predict if you weren't planning for it or watching that specific thing. And I can tell you as a healer, I wasn't. Uh, but this I can actually see the buff. Like I can see the 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 buff on the mob. A okay with it. Absolutely zero zero problem with that whatsoever. Um, yeah. And then uh what is it? The do do, do after being defeated, dreadlord isn't killed. Instead, Bonnie Hunter comes out and captures the defeated foe. As a reward, Bonnie Hunter increases one of uh inc- is buff is increased by one, increasing the secondary stat that was chosen at the beginning, and a five-second buff is applied to the party called Restoration, which restores six percent of mana and health every one second over its duration. As somebody who Liz can attest to my mana pot or my mana pool has a leaky sieve. Like this is fantastic for me. But yeah, um, I don't know. I think this is actually kind of cool. I think this is this is better than the surprise your tank's dead uh, affixes that are out there. So
1: <laughs> yeah, true. And like like it sounds like since you can see them, you're going to go through and you can say, oh, I see this one over here. Do I want to take this non-optimal route through the dungeon? And go kill this dreadlord and maybe, maybe waste time, maybe wipe because that's a bad pull. You know, it's going to, it's going to change how you play. And I'm, I'm very interested in things that make you think and make you make tactical decisions as you're going.
2: Well, especially too, because like the buffs are not, they're nothing to to sneeze at either. Like, and at first glance you would think, oh yeah, 2% crit per stack isn't that big of a deal. It is, though, because it's a 2% flat. You don't have to have that set. It's just 2% applied to what you have already or 2% haste or 2% versatility. Um, The one that's weird is mastery, which in this post I'm reading is 69 mastery per stack, which is nice, but also still like I'm surprised it's not just a raw percentage. Uh, but also, then I look at myself and realize that at one point in time during Castle Nathria, I was able to push 310% mastery. So maybe that was a bad idea to have percentages there. Okay, I get it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Blizzard. I'll stop breaking mastery. Yeah, no, I'm here for it. I think this is really cool. Nice. So
0: that's that. That's some more stuff we know about 9.2.5 and how it's getting closer and all such that's going to happen. Uh, at this point, I don't know that we're going to get to any emails. And I'm sorry about that, because I did get some emails and some questions, but it's I do want to talk week. about this. Yeah, I want to talk about this thing. I may be the only person in the world who is excited about this, but I am super excited about Greedfall 2, which has been announced.
2: 20, which is coming 20, in 2024, right? Yeah.
0: 2024, yeah. Greedfall was an interesting game because it was <clears throat> it was an attempt to make a game on the kind of scope and scale and storytelling ambitions of like early Bioware. I would say it compares very favorably to Dragon Age Origins. And it, it was, in fact, better in a lot of ways. It was a modern game. It wasn't a game from 2008. So it was a fully voiced cast, and the protagonist spoke as well. Um, things about it I liked. It didn't have an open world, and I think that actually worked for it. I think it was actually better for not having an open world. Yeah,
2: I think it, the way that they presented the game, it needed to not have an open world.
0: Yeah. Uh, it did have a group of very different companions. All of whom are romanceable, by the way. Uh, well, not all of them, but there were several romanceable uh, companions. And it had interesting stories. Each of the companions' quests was much less optional than in other kinds of games of the type. Like, if you didn't do the companion quests, theoretically you wouldn't be forced to do them. But huge parts of the game's story were behind them. Like, those those quests existed to give your character details on the world. And they were really well done. Uh, especially, like, two of the companions in particular.
2: Yeah, didn't uh, didn't the original Greedfall like sell like a million copies too? Like it's not it's not it sold, an insignificant yeah. game like, for
0: a game company that had forty people. The game was developed by a company named Spiders. Yes, Spiders has forty full time employees. Yep. I want you to go look up the amount of full time employees, like say Bioware like Activision Blizzard has, or just Blizzard, and compare it. I mean, it's well, there it's night and day. Even BioWare has something like four times ta- four to six times more people. Uh, than than spiders does they the fact that they got the game made with forty people working on it and had it be as good as it was is nothing short of an accomplishment.
2: And they're they're not exactly um, slouches, although their twenty sixteen uh, game that came out before Greedfall, the Technomancer was weird, and in the fact that I think it was rushed. Um, I think
0: I gotta be upfront with you. I think Technomancer was less a game and more a demo of them showing you what they could do if they actually could get a game done.
2: I I was gonna say because after that, then you look at um, Steel Rising, which is coming out this year, is the next game from them. Uh, And I'm looking at some of the stuff for, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's basically what Technomancer was a proof of concept for. Uh, But like, and they work a lot with like uh, Focus Home Entertainment or Focus Home Interactive. Um and now Nakon for the next Greedfall, like they're not, uh, they're not an ins- insignificant studio. Um, no, and also if you have Game Pass, Greedfall is on Game Pass. hmm And you, you should can play try it. it.
0: Like I'll straight up say it, you should play it. It in a time period it came out I think 2018 I want to say
2: 2019.
0: Uh okay, 2019. At a time where every game was going massively open world, uh, where there were a ton of games that were kind of like all about one single character exploring the world. Greedfall was very much, like, if you liked Dragon Age, it was very similar to the basic core concepts of Dragon Age. Except with a
2: little more action. It was a little more action role-playing.
0: Yeah. I will, however, say there is one thing about Greedfall that I did not like. Okay. There was a character that was in your party, uh, and he was a cool character. His name was Kurt. He was, like, the Mm -hmm. man-at-arms, and he was, was, like, the team tank. Uh, Liz, he's basically Sten. Okay. But... Instead of like Sten was stoic and quiet, Kurt was boisterous, and unfortunately, spiders clearly did not record as many voice lines for their (laughs) NPCs, because every single time you'd get into combat, Kurt would go, I don't even remember the first thing he'd say, he'd say something like, things are getting dicey, and let's go! And he would say it (laughs) every single time you entered combat, until you wanted to hit Kurt with a shovel. Like it's like Kurt, Kurt, please don't say it. And let's go. And let's go. Like oh God, <laughs> Kurt, I really like you in cutscenes. You're a good companion. I I enjoy you in the, my group. Please, please, God, stop saying that. So that was the the one thing that I did not like in Greedfall. That was the Worgen snuffling of Greedfall.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, unfortunately, that's un that's something that happens a lot of times yeah. with like companion games because even like even some of the top end games and I I'll, I'll call out God of War for that one too the new the the newest God of War um, 2018 2018 like it's a good game but Atreus will repeat himself a lot or if you have um I can't remember the head uh Mimir 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 will do that too like if you sit in one place or like if you're like me like if you spend enough time in one area trying to gather everything and solve every puzzle and get everything you're going to go through the same audio cues or even in battle there's only so much you can do with that because i mean there's not infinite number of spaces for for things like that to go so
0: yeah yeah but speaking of god of war thank you for the segue joe
2: (laughs) you're welcome Uh,
0: the other the last thing we're going to talk about i think that's going to be the end of the show but we'll see what happens um god of war uh Ragnarok did a, a, a I guess an article release thing on their site recently talking about accessibility options they're adding some of which they're porting over from the God of War PC uh thing they did for the God of War 18 game where they added certain features into for accessibility like being able to toggle on and off things like running and so forth and that's nice if they're, they're putting that in that's cool but that's not even close to all of it they are they, the the list of accessibility features is extensive um they're adding in a level of customization to the game's UI that is something is startling. Uh, I'll just, I'll say it as, as a, as a legally blind person, I could never dream of a game to going this far to make itself playable to somebody who has visual or auditory disability. Mm-hmm. Um, between being able to control the size of the text in closed captioning, being able to, to vary the color of each individual character's dialogue um, to get the game to tell you who's talking, for the game to have you know think, little directions like fire creaking, ice melting, telling you what the sounds in the area are and where they are directionally, which is un- I've never seen a game do that. I've never seen a game have a feature that tells you where something is or not doesn't like literally tell you exactly where, but gives you an idea of the direction. That's that's huge. Um, and then they go even further. There's there's an actual straight up if you've ever like watched uh, a, t- a TV show for a completely blind person that has full auditory description, um, they have that. They're putting that into the game. They straight up have scenes where there's a narrator saying, Kratos kneels by the fire, like the whole thing. That's going to be an option you can turn on.
2: Let's uh, like, okay, so this is something that maybe not as near to me as you because I know with you with everything that's been happening with your eyes, and everything else, but it is near to me enough because my wife doesn't play a lot of video games anymore because of certain things like that, Uh, whether it's audio or visual or sometimes physical. The fact that game companies and game developers are actually starting to take this, like as a legitimate development course of action, which is something they should have been doing for a long ass time now, let's be honest, is making me happy um and not just beyond colorblind modes but like uh, oh well beyond it well well beyond there's
0: there's stuff for like turning off quick times or making it so you don't have to hold a button down yep you guys have both played on controllers recently right yeah oh yeah yeah Have you ever gotten to the point where your hand starts to go numb from pushing in like a button?
2: God, yes.
0: And that you will be able to tell this game not to do that.
2: Yeah, playing Hades physically like caused me to have to stop playing for a while because of how I was gripping the controller. Like (laughs) Like, uh,
0: one of the reasons
1: I no longer play Diablo on a PC is because my hands, my wrists get really, really painful from clicking constantly to move.
0: It's literally like a carpal tunnel simulator.
1: Yeah, it really is. This is like if you want carpal tunnel, then you play Diablo on PC, and there you go. You're going to get there eventually. In, Give it time.
0: Yeah. Let it work its magic upon your <laughs> joints. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I prefer playing Diablo on console.
1: Yeah, I think um, it was. I, agree. I mean, it wasn't a console first. Was it released on console initially? I don't think it was.
0: No, no. Uh, but, Diablo 2 uh, Resurrected was the only one to release on console simultaneously with, with releasing on PC.
1: I mean, Diablo feels like it's so designed for a console controller that you know it's like perfectly designed to have like four action buttons. So yeah,
0: D- using a mouse with it. I mean, it's it's what it, we're used to because it's what it came out with. But right, yeah. So seeing that they're they're doing stuff like that, they're doing the stuff uh, I mentioned. They're they're doing the things Joe talked about. Uh, one of the things that's really interesting is there's a setting for turning the color on the backgrounds down and putting filters over all the the, the playable the, the playable character and all of the npcs so that they stand out against it so even if you have like significant impairment you can still tell who's the protagonist who's you know who are the people i might actually have to hit versus what's just scenery that's amazing to me and to have not just the audit, not, not just to have like the description of it read out you with the subtitling, you can straight up even if you can't hear a thing, you can figure out what's going on in this game. So if you ha, you know if you're deaf or blind, you can still play some games or at least hang out while somebody is playing one and actually get something out of the experience. Because let's face it, at this point, games like God of War are practically a movie. Like yeah. they're a movie oh, yeah. that you
2: you do stuff in, and then I mean like, they they mocap the voice actors. Like yeah. it's a movie.
0: <laughs> well, it's like I mean, Liz has played a ton of games. Uh, Mass Effect. She'll, she'll know this part, and she'll care about this part. Mass Effect, at this point, is almost more fun to ha- watch somebody else play, because you get to see all their reactions. Like, I love watching my wife play, and I, I remember when she saw me kill Conrad Werner in one of the cutscenes, um, she, like, her jaw dropped. She didn't know you could do that.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, you can kill... But- Conrad can actually die in all three games. Yes. Yeah.
2: So but like, there's there's games that there's games that like are lean into that but also like should have that accessibility for people to oh, experience yeah. that like like I I'm looking back on uh like Spider-Man, Spider-Man PS4 is a game that I absolutely love. Uh Miles Morales game I absolutely adore. Probably in my top 10, possibly my top 1 of all time. But even that has things to make people's job playing the game easier and this is something like I didn't really talk about before but like it has things like auto web slinging and things like you're talking about with not having to push the button or limiting quick time events. Like they actually did think about this and they're actually starting to do this. Making these games more accessible to more people is a good thing. Yeah, I, absolutely. Especially as we get older, especially as things happen, like people should be able to escape and enjoy themselves inside of video games.
1: One thing I've been thinking about lately is we're kind of in like this first generation of individuals who have grown up playing video games who have gone from childhood to adulthood and video games have always been a part of our lives. And we're in this era where it's video gaming has become an acceptable hobby, not some weird nerdy thing you have to hide. What do you mean? I don't have to hide in my
2: basement anymore, Liz? What are you talking about?
0: (laughs) And you can if you want to, but I don't think gaming has really hit the mainstream, you know? I was watching, this reminds me of something I was watching YouTube. You know how YouTube just suggests random videos to you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they suggested this random video of like a celebrity interview show that I'd never seen before, and the the, the woman who's being interviewed—I can't remember who she was, unfortunately. Not that I would have known who she was anyway. She looked to be <laughs> half my age, but regardless, she's talking about like you know she she was trying to get this job, and so she like she got out of like, the show she was doing, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm going to get all these offers now." And he goes, "Cue to me, six months later, in my parents' basement playing The Sims," and she's like the sims was like so important to her she'd played the sims her whole freaking life like she knew everything about the sims she she like could like i was go going we're all like this now we're we're, we're yeah. we've all or, been around these games like but, you know like
2: or, or the people that are losing their mind because henry cavill plays warhammer 40k
0: yeah like he like, builds his own pcs of course he does yeah why wouldn't he build his own pcs if he plays warhammer 40k for god's
2: sake <laughs> you can assemble a custodes you can assemble a pc but like, <laughs> but it is a lot more mainstream now, and I'm, I'm, and and we are long past the days of I want to say it was Ebert who said video games are not entertainment; they are not. No, he mm-hmm. said they weren't art. They weren't art. They are. They, they absolutely are. And as technology gets better, as development gets easier, uh, as tools improve, as people like us are starting to make games that they always wanted to see. Like it's it's as much art as a movie is. It's as much escape and entertainment, and everybody should have access to it. Yeah,
0: I, I will. someday we'll do the show where we actually sit down and talk because I agree with you, but I also agree with Ebert. I have like a way to explain to, to reconcile the two viewpoints. We're fighting now. No, we're not. Because you're <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. But his point wasn't. His point is not well expressed.
2: No, it's not articulated. For it's not articulated well at all.
0: Yeah, Ebert is much better than that. He should have been able to, but he didn't care enough. But there is a point to be made in there, but but none of, nothing to do with anything. We'll just move on. I do uh, think this is great. Um, Liz is about to talk, so I'm going to shut up.
1: Yeah, I just want to say, you know, the fact that we've grown up with video games, the fact that video games are mainstream now, we are all getting older.
0: Mm-hmm. We're
1: this generation of people who have been playing games from childhood to adulthood into old age And, you know, so you have things like you have carpal tunnel and you can't click your mouse as fast. You have things you're going to develop vision issues as you age. You may develop hearing problems as you age. You have all of these things. And I can tell you when it's going to rain. (laughs) Like it's very important that games consider these things. And it's very important that games be accessible to more than just the young fit people Mm -hmm. who are like totally can see really well and click things really fast because there are a lot of disabled people out there and they deserve to have all of this fun we're having. And I'm sure all of us would like to continue playing video games, even when we get older and our wrists hurt and we can't see as well. So
0: all of this yeah, stuff is literally this, me right now.
1: Let's put this in every game. And I'm yeah. really I'm really heartened to see this in like a AAA title. Like God of War. And the
0: level they're doing is just astonishing. It is a lot. I didn't even list it all the things they're doing. Um, so yeah, I, that was when, when, when Liz put that into the queue and I saw it, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely writing that up. Uh, because yeah, uh, it is one of the things I, one of the reasons I don't tank as much in World of Warcraft anymore is quite simply that I cannot see the full screen. Like in order for me to see the entire screen, I either have to sit way back or I have to shift my head around. That's just its just how things are. My, my, my right eye is dead. It does nothing. It, it Open, close, nothing. So for me, I have a personal stake in it, but we're all going there. You know, everybody you know who got COVID, and that's 60% of Americans, now Hi, has an increased one of chance. Yeah. They now have an increased chance of developing all these conditions. There's going to be millions of people who weren't going to have these problems as soon as they do are going to have those problems. So if nothing else, from a purely mercantile level, this makes business sense Mm -hmm. because people will buy the games if they can play them. Um, It was one of the things that Assassin's Creed Valhalla actually did right was they had a ton of accessibility options. Um, I didn't actually like Valhalla very much, but I mean, I did. I like the story. (laughs) The amount you
2: played it. Come on.
0: Oh, I played the heck out of it. Yeah, you did wasn't as good as Odyssey. Anyway, any rate, I think, though, that that pretty much covers all the news, and we are pretty much out of time, um, which means we're going to push this, the questions we had for this week uh, to next week. I, I d- will say that I'm sorry, Korn, that we did not answer your question. Korn, is that his name? Is that Korn? K-H-O-R-N-E?
2: Korn. That's
1: how I would have pronounced it that is, if, I, if I had read that question.
2: Korn is the blood god from uh, Warhammer 40K. It's the chaos god of war.
0: Well, he asked us a question.
2: Yes. Uh, Corn, but a nicer corn, I promise. I understand that reference.
0: (laughs) Anyway, sorry we didn't get to your question or any of the other questions. Uh, We will push them to next week. Uh, Blizzard Watch is... Oh, wait, no. Joe does a thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can do it if you want, Uh, but Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast hour of the queue, and an that's free site experience. Uh, As a reminder, all of us at Blizzard Watch do continue to stand with the employees, not just of Activision Blizzard, but of the game industry at large, and their continued efforts to unionize and make sure that they have a safe and fair working environment.
0: Go Wisconsin. Um, So, two things. One is uh, if you didn't catch it, we did a wildly wildly on the witch light game last week uh this saturday
1: yeah it's it hasn't been published yet but it should be coming out on the site soon
0: yeah and so you might want to catch that because it was it was an interesting game let's put it that way it very much didn't go the way we hoped but it's the kind of thing that happens when you're all second level so yeah it was it was something <laughs> uh i hid in a swamp <laughs> it's like i'll just and hide you, bravely you ran away away
1: you did an excellent job of it it was yeah, a
0: good idea. That was some good hiding and cowering. <laughs> I cowered extremely well. But that that's that's the first one. The second one is that this Saturday coming, I believe, we're gonna be doing a Tavern Watch kind of end of the month what just happened thing. Um, I think that's what we're doing. I, I know we're doing something. It's gonna yeah, be a tavern, tavern, tavern- watch podcast.
1: If y'all are good with us, that what's that's what we'll do.
2: Yeah, we're doing Tavern Watch.
0: Yay! Yeah, Tavern Watch. So you might want to catch that. Uh our tavern watches I, I really like them straight up i i have a lot of fun doing them i think they're good so i i think you guys should listen And i've
2: got so many pent-up things that i've wanted to talk about yeah joe's gonna <laughs>
0: pop but since now joe joe now works at a game store so he literally comes in and he's like a whirlwind of of. of ah, nah, nah. I, work in, I
2: work in a game store who specializes in indie tabletop rpgs and independent games yeah <laughs> but
0: uh blizzard watch you know we, we get them their questions if you have a question for blizzard watch i know we didn't answer any this week but we will we i promise so please email them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of blizzard watch so we know it's for this show um i don't have the star trek music anymore so if joe and i have to fight for questions it's just going to be a me me trying to play it on kazoo i, I don't <laughs> want that to happen um also though you can also go to our our I want to say our Patreon, but that's not the right word. Our Discord. Discord. (gasps) Why would you not say Discord, brain? (laughs) Uh, Discord. And you can go to our patron Q&Podcast questions channel if you are a patron. And we look there first. Uh, If there's no questions there, we then go to the Q&Podcast questions channel for non-patrons because we do care about you guys, too. You're like the stipe bears of our heart. We like to hug you. Um, Well, I don't. I don't hug people. I'm not very huggy emotions scare and confuse me anyway you can ask questions in that channel as well um either way you can go through our email you can go through discord i mean if you can you can at us at twitter really uh if you want to at me go for it uh you have to find out who i am but but it's not hard my name's right there uh so yeah that's how you can get questions to us we like getting questions please send them it can be about anything any game you want to ask us about it doesn't have to be a blizzard game it doesn't have to be warcraft uh you, to, you want to ask that, that Dragon Age lore question that's been driving you crazy for Lore Watch? Send, a, send an email to Joe. He would be more than happy to get an email from you about Dragon Age.
2: If you want to know about Blood for the Blood God, though, I got you covered.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. Bless your lucky stars that I didn't go for a 25-minute rampage about my Harper row cosplay that I built in Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> it was hard to make. Uh, take it easy, everybody, and have... Have a good day. Take care.